Young Entertainment. Young Entertainment Professionals. Young Entertainment Professionals. You're listening to the Young Entertainment Professionals Podcast, a series featuring the next generation of creative and business professionals in music, TV, and film. Hear their stories on navigating the industry with the help of the Young Entertainment Professionals Network. Are you a YEP member planning to relocate to Nashville? Our friends at Connect have built an amazing space that offers affordable luxury with unparalleled flexibility. Located in the heart of Music Row, Connect Nashville offers studio, one bedroom and three bedroom co-living units. Co-living is when you lease a space and share the common area with roommates. The furnished studios come with, but not limited to, an electronic Murphy bed, a built-in movable desk starting in the low 1400s. Connect provides all the luxuries you're used to, including an expansive gym powered by city fit concierge co-working membership with flexible workspace community garden expansive pool and members lounge white glove package delivery an on-site restaurant and so much more right now they're offering something special to our members one month free and free garage parking over two thousand dollars in savings text yep special to 615-649-8943 and take advantage of this exclusive offer while availability lasts Julie Greenberg, welcome to the Yep Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us all the way from Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about your background before we get into more of your role at CAA. I want to know what led you to pursue a role as an agent and what you love so much about the entertainment industry. Yeah, so I actually, it all started for me because I was a dancer and I just loved music, arts, everything like encompassing that space so um growing up as a competitive dancer I made all the mixes for my high school dance team and certain things and I realized very soon like I would never be a professional dancer nor would I be an artist so I wanted to find something that you know I could cater to that space and I went to Georgia where they had a great music business program and when I learned about that program I applied luckily got in and the rest is history from there so did a ton of internships and actually the agency world was the last thing that I ever worked in I did management companies and I worked for Spotify and did a couple things um, before that and landed at CAA as my first job out of college and have been there ever since there's been multiple times where you know I looked to like go maybe pursue a different sector of of the industry and everything you know when I would make my pro and con list it would just lead me back to the agency world and I knew that that's you know what I wanted to do and I I've uh, made it officially as an agent so it's exciting congratulations that's awesome um so in while working for Spotify um did you work in more of like the streaming side like what side of that did you work in I was there campus rep at Georgia so that was a, I, I don't know if they still have that platform okay. but basically I would go around campus and just recruit people to sign up for Spotify and this was 2013 mm. 12, 13 probably so you'd be surprised I mean people were still very much like hooked on Pandora at that point and like even though Spotify has been around since 08 it, it hadn't really resonated with younger people and it was just me educating them and like honestly hosting and throwing parties and like giving Spotify swag out and but that was a paid opportunity for me and it led me into like the final rounds um to be hired I unfortunately didn't get the job but 
Um, and that was because at that time, and I mean, we all, we have to think, I mean, Spotify is a tech company at the end of the day. Yes. There are so many avenues and and different sectors of the, of the company that they don't need people with tech backgrounds. But at the time, you know, they needed someone who like had coding abilities and like, that wasn't something that I had ever taken a class in. Like that was foreign language to me. So I got ruled out because of that. Um, but it, it was just a really great segue into like promoting and, and educating people and selling people on something which at the end of the day as an agent, you know, we're in glorified sales. We're selling the idea and dreams of artists and making sure that they can go and tour and they can go and, you know, they want to eventually be in a movie or a TV show, connecting those dots for them. Um, so it was great practice, like to lead up to what I'm doing today, you know? Was there something that you learned about the streaming world while working for Spotify for Pandora um, that lended itself to your role as an agent and being able to help these artists gain traction on those type of platforms, especially since streaming has grown exponentially as a as a yeah. financial source? I mean, what I learned, just to correlate the two, I mean, I learned how to speak to artists, and that was a really big thing, and just kind of like hold their hand in the process because I wasn't technically onboarding them at Spotify. It was more so just rallying people to sign up for the platform. Gotcha. But in that though, I had the, I, I was like looped into conversations with artists to get them to come on campus too and like be the face of Spotify there and like, Hey, I'm an artist. I believe in this platform. I'm going to recruit other of my other friends who are also artists to also sign up for this. Um, so just to, you know, I feel like that is, was an important lesson because still today when I'm speaking to artists, I have to, you know, get to know them and Mm -hmm. like speak to them in a way that is not what, it's not the same way I would speak to a promoter or someone that's like buying the talent, you know? So it takes a special craft and listen, I'm not a publisher or someone that's like really in the nitty gritty of, of the like quote unquote speaking the artist lingo, but like there are people and they want to express themselves and they want to talk things through. And I do that every day, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's still so valuable. Like being able to like be associated with a streaming platform like Spotify. I mean, at any sort of capacity, I'm sure lends itself to your job now. So that's really awesome. Um, Can you talk a little about the different genres that you work with? Um, You work with an array of, um, of genres here. We've got UK artists, you've got some Nashville artists, um, pop, hip hop. I mean, it just like the whole thing. So talk about like what you, how you got involved in these specific genres and how you see them being able to flourish in a town like Nashville. So my thing has always been non-country. I mean, we live, we live in Nashville, obviously, and it's, it's the Mecca of country and Americana and Christian music, but yeah. I've always been determined ever since I started CA to navigate a, a space of R&B and hip hop and pop within Nashville, because I think it's important as the city keeps expanding, um, to have different genres live and breathe there. And, um, the pop community is so close knit and it's really special to see it flourish. I mean, there are, of course, are people that move to LA, but they're still, constant communication with Nashville because we're the songwriting capital. I mean, there's Harry Styles, Ed Sheeran, so many big pop artists come to Nashville to write music. Mm. Um, And so for me, 
just pop element alone, like that is a genre I love and have always loved. And I think everyone, you know, around our age just grew up on the Britney Spears of the world and so many incredible pop artists who have created, you know, the space for so many people. Like I work with Astrid S for her to live, you know, and she's kind of in that Zara Larson type of space because she's Norwegian and she's mm-hmm. just an incredible, incredible um, pop artist. But I also find myself starting to see that there is a bubble of hip hop and R&B coming out of Nashville. And granted, like it's never going to be the Atlanta or the New York or the LA, but there is a really strong community there. And I feel like they've honestly been disservice and there hasn't been a lot of people that have been interested in working with them, whether that be, I don't know how to help you or like, maybe this isn't the right genre fit, but like, hip-hop and R&B is the new pop music. I mean, that is what is all over Top 40 radio. I mean, it's it's honestly become, to me, like the number one genre in the world. And um, I just have always been such a big urban fan. Like, I remember third, fourth grade, I'd be coming home watching BET, and my mom's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, What's the new Bow Wow video? What's the new Eminem video? I mean, there were so many things that... I was just so attracted to that genre and the way that music makes me feel. And I think that can honestly be correlated to the dance because like high energy upbeat, you know, but in terms of like Nashville and in that community, I really think that we're starting to see pop and hip hop and R&B really kind of come together, which has been amazing. I mean, what the rock resurgence did for Nashville like eight, nine years ago when Kings and Leon were popping off, like at that time, even rock was a foreign genre to Nashville, you know? So just to see what can happen in these next couple of years, I'm somebody who wants to be at the forefront of that and, and really start to connect these artists with people who may be a traditional country plugger or maybe a traditional christian plugger or so, you know yeah doesn't touch that space and, and kind of connect it to you you know do you feel like um events like pilgrimage festival and you know those live shows that ascend amphitheater ascend amphitheater have given this genre more room to visit nashville and you know spread their audience there and their fan base absolutely i think that nashville now is one of the top like when what we call top markets um, at the agency like LA, New York, DC, um, top major markets, Atlanta, including now I 100% believe Nashville is the top of that list and everyone's running their tours through there. I mean, we have such a great um, system of venues ranging all the way from Bridge Show to Ascent. I mean, what used to hip hop tours specifically would always skip over Nashville and be like Atlanta to DC or Atlanta to Dallas or Houston. Nobody would ever play Nashville, and I'm starting to see more and more and more urban tours and pop tours being routed through the market. And I think that's just because so many of these artists, even from abroad, are starting to learn and know that, okay, Nashville's not just country music anymore. And there are so many incredible writers there that they themselves, like, want to block a day around Nashville so that they can go and, like, get a great session in, go and write with the top writers in town. You know, and I mean, a hundred percent. And you mentioned Ed Sheeran earlier, and I've heard a lot of my songwriter friends talk about how much he loves Nashville and coming here to spend time with these different writers that specialize in both country and pop. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's definitely, I mean, 
I remember it was, um, I forget which show at Marathon Music Works. Oh, Marilyn Manson was at Marathon Music Works. <laughs> I woke up and they have this like VIP deck that's, you know, not not the main VIP deck, but above the soundboard. And it's Ed Sheeran hanging out. Oh my God. Marilyn Manson concert. And that's the thing. It's like so many people like him are wanting to come to Nashville to write. And I mean, even Harry included. So Harry Styles. So yeah. it's, I think it's going to be a, a trend um, that more and more pop artists are going to be coming to Nashville. Olivia Lane is a pop country singer-songwriter who has always been obsessed with the power of storytelling. Her much-anticipated new single, Living Instead, will be released on May 8th. Living Instead is a powerful anthem that describes the importance of letting go and living in the moment. Go to olivialane.com to pre-order Living Instead now. So as an agent yourself in that space, um, first of all, what is your day-to-day like? I'm sure obviously it's a little bit different now, given the season that we're in, but um, talk about your day-to-day and how you, how do you prioritize and, you know, all of that. So. Yeah. I mean, it can be tough. I mean, especially when I'm working with so many different types of artists, like there's not one, one, one size fits all, you know, thing that can apply to them because they're all so different. So Mm -hmm. the day-to-day can look like, you know, where I'm running a tour for Asher the next minute, I'm doing something for Brett or, you know, I'm doing something for Chaz Cardigan and then I'm pivoting and doing something for Takey, the producer. So every day is just so different because not one of them are the same, which is really exciting. Like being able to talk to so many different people within the company as well, because in Nashville, we are so connected to our LA, our LA and New York offices. And I personally work a lot with LA and New York. Um, and so making sure that we're on the current trends, just like they are and keeping communication open. Um, and also one thing that, you know, CA differentiates itself from other agencies because we book by territory. So we have agents who will book arenas and amphitheaters and we have agents that will book festivals. So my specific territory is colleges and I book all of the colleges and universities west of the Mississippi. So my day to day could be half of it where I'm just doing college related bookings and booking the entire roster, which is really exciting because I book country and rap and hip hop and pop and EDM. And then I'll go and do something for one of my clients. So every day in terms of prioritizing, it can, it can be tough, but I, I've really started to learn time management of like, okay, for this set amount of time, I'm going to focus on this yeah, and then I'm going to pivot to this. Um, and of course, if things are urgent, address those as needed. But um, it's it's really exciting just to see every day is so different. That's what keeps me interested and engaged. If everything was the same, I'd be bored out of my mind. I No, I completely agree with that. Like every day is the same for me. It's different. Every interview is different. And I think that that's, I mean, that's what's so great about the entertainment industry. Yes, it has its, you know, its upsides and its downsides. But as a whole, I mean, every single day you're learning something new. Yeah. So, um, speaking to the college fan base, what do you think is so unique about, um, just that whole, I mean, element of, uh, music fan base, the college student? I mean, they love hip hop and R&B. That's what we're starting to see. They still like EDM. I mean, it's funny because I bet five years ago, the narrative would have been so different because EDM was like the thing. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of fizzled out to a degree. They definitely, 
definitely do still love certain DJs, but I can tell they're brooking the DJs that will play more like trap and hip hop beats versus like straight house music. So that's definitely changed a little bit. Um, and they love they love pop too. Um, one thing that we're finding, you know, in terms of like indie alternative artists or certain schools that, that that type of genre caters well to, but the general the general um, masses, I feel like it's still like I said, R and B and rap driven. Um, and the and it's easy to book a rapper or an R and B artist because most of them for are just solo acts. So you're just booking them and not like a full band. Yeah. Whereas like if you're booking an indie or an alternative artist, most of the time they are a band or at least like if it is a solo artist, they have a band to accompany them on stage. Um, so they can be a little bit pricier because you're paying for more people. But, um, yeah, I think that it's so funny too. We always see this like resurgence of like early 2000s artists, break right? Like all American rejects and like Jesse McCartney and people that like, you know, when I was in middle and high school were like the loves of my lives. And, you know, I'm, so, I'm 10 plus years almost out of high school. So very far out of college, like the fact that these kids who were born in the 2000s are listening to artists that came out the year they were probably born yes. is, you know, so <laughs> funny. Um, but it's cool. It's it's kind of like a, a blast from the past, and it's, it's always fun to, like, keep booking those acts that just have timeless hits. Right, and it shows just um, how classic they are and just their ability to reach multiple generations, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was born in 91, that gives my age away, but, um, I mean, I've been listening a lot to 90s hip hop lately, just because it's just, it's so, it's fun, it's uplifting, it gets my mind off, especially like what we're dealing with right now, like yeah. being able to remember those fun times of going out, hanging out with people and, you know, what's your favorite era of hip hop? I gotta know. Ooh, I want to say early 2000s, like I was a sucker for Ludacris and <laughs> T.I. and Eminem coming up then that was, I mean, the best years of hip-hop, in my opinion. I think now it's starting to, I mean, I'm not so much a fan of that, like, emo rap that's going on, or, like, or the SoundCloud rappers, that's what they call a lot of them, like, all the lils popping up over, yeah. over the place, like, Lil Blank, Lil Blank, Lil Blank, and then they're all just, like, one-hit wonders. I'm not so much a fan of that. I'm really, like, into the artists that actually tell stories and are creative and different and disappear and reappear like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole and everyone is just like the best lyricist, you know, um, I, I've, I'm personally drawn to, you know, artists that tell stories and, um, I think that they're some of the best. So I would say early 2000s all the way. I love it. Um, the TikTok space. I've got to bring that up for a second. Have you noticed, yeah. you know, a difference in how that's affected um, fan bases of maybe some of your artists or just the hip hop, pop space, rap, all of that just yeah, as a whole? I think TikTok is unbelievable. I think that they have, it's so funny because some artists like Melanie Martinez, for example, one of her songs from her album in 2015 just got picked up on TikTok tiktok and it's like exploding i mean they've seen like a 20 to 30 percent uh increase in her streams of that specific song over like 24 hours like it just like took off and then you 
have artists like Ash, who is a phenomenal female pop writer artist, who her song Moral of the Story just exploded on TikTok, and it's continuing to do so, and that's actually translating just as well on the sh- on Spotify and Apple. Like her streams have just skyrocketed since TikTok exploded the song. So I do think, you know, there, if you are lucky enough to be an artist to have a song explode, like that's going to do you wonders. I know it's really tough in that space to get that song to explode. And it's ultimately up to the fans to get it that way and to, to actually keep the song moving. I don't think there is somebody on the back end that can really like plug and place that to get it to really go viral. Mm-hmm. That just has to go viral on its own because of fans. Um, and it'll be interesting to see like how long TikTok does stay around though. I mean, if we look back to like the longevity of Vine, I mean, that was a platform that everyone thought would be there definitely. And I mean, that, that crash just as fast as it went up, you know? I mean, it was such a like, do you ever, do you follow Trey Kennedy at all? I do. so funny. (laughs) Did you see, speaking of, did you see his recent video about like, if social media platforms were a family. I didn't see that one. You need to watch it because there is a Vine TikTok reference. Um, And I'm not going to like share too much about it because I just want you to watch the whole thing because it's so spot on. But there's this one part where he's talking about like he, Facebook is the mom, LinkedIn is the dad, and then you have like Instagram and Twitter or whatever. And they're all different personalities. And there's, there's at one point um, where Facebook is like, oh, I don't want to lose... Um, one of you ever again. And then there's like a vine reference to the TikTok sibling. And it's, so it kind of, it's hysterical. He's, he's hilarious. I loved his girls during quarantine episodes are just like so good. Yes. He's, I mean, he's, he needs to continue doing what he's doing. Cause he's so great at it. Um, but I want to kind of shift over to the development process. I know that there's, you know, just as a whole, a lot of entertainers that, you know, getting an agent is, is a goal of their, of of theirs. And they don't really know, like at what point in their career is it, um, is it the right timing? And so in specifically the artists that you work with, um, at what point do you decide, okay, this artist is ready for an agent um, based on like their skill set or their numbers, traction? It's honestly just a passion for me. Like there's artists that have come across my plate that have little to nothing going on, even some that don't even have music out. But if I feel a connection to that music and can see the vision, I mean, ultimately I have to see a show too. I mean, we're mm-hmm. selling and, and promoting them to be out live. So if the show doesn't align with what I'm listening to, you know, maybe I won't be as quick to jump on the train. I okay. need to like feel that emotional connection to the show. That's first and foremost, the most important part. But, um, I think again, it's like, there's really no set rhyme or reason as to why we sign. Um, there's always, of course, a lot of internal conversations, whether it be, okay, well, they're working with this person, or wow, this song is just, like, too good, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we just believe in this, that we need, to, we need to sign them, and we need to develop them. And in terms of the development process, you know, a lot of which, in the beginning phases, is pretty 50-50 between us and the manager. I mean, there's a lot of 
growth on the artist and that needs to take place in terms of them like dialing in a real set and them like making sure that they have music coming out and like what does that release strategy look like is there a label behind them is there you know a publicist involved like what does the rest of the team look like because we used to be the agents were the last addition to the team because it was like once the package is ready to go I need to get an agent to put me out on the road mm. and, and take me to every single city. Um, but that, that process has changed so much. I mean, even artists are coming to us before they have managers in place, before there's a record deal. And we're sort of like leading the A&R trains because we're having such, there's such an influx of artists and, and people reaching out to us 24 seven, um, that if there isn't the right team in place and we believe that artists will help put that together for them. Nice. Um, and, and it's funny because we, again, were the last piece and now we're that first or second piece sometimes, um, even sometimes before attorneys. So, um, and in terms of developing them on the road, you know, there's a lot of strategy behind that because you don't want to put someone out too soon, but there's some artists that need to go out and just experiment with a bunch of different shows before they actually go on a tour, whether that be just doing certain showcases in select cities or maybe just playing around Nashville, mm-hmm. you know, just they need to build up their rapport. They need to build a fan base because it doesn't make sense to tour someone without fans. You right. need to know where their fans are, who they are, so you can play the right rooms, you can play for the right people, and you can play the right markets. You know, Astrid S tour is going to look completely different than what a Brent Joy tour would look like because mm. they have different fans. Um, and so us knowing and understanding who the artist is and what they stand for as well. You know, there's a reason why people don't just go to arenas overnight. They build careers and we're about building careers and longevity, you know? Um, so yeah, the strategies just vary per artist. And, and sometimes it's about taking a, a gamble and going on a whim to like put them in a situation, whether that be, the early slot of the festival that is Bonnaroo or Hangout or maybe, okay, let's wait two years. Let's wait for the album to run its course and let's go off the second album because like we feel that's going to be a bigger impact. We want to make sure that like the billing and the slot and everything is, you know, up to par for what the artist deserves. What have you encouraged your artists to do now since live shows? have kind of been, you know, obviously paused because of COVID. Um, what have you encouraged them to do? What have you encouraged them to um, create in terms of live streams? That sort of thing. Yeah, no. I'm encouraging everyone to just get, I hate to use this word, but like, I love it. The creative juice is flowing, seriously. <laughs> like, whether that, whether that's them writing, just, I mean, all of them are by themselves for the most part. So a lot of solo writing, but just honestly, like figuring out, especially for people who are developing right now, like what and who do you want to stand for? What do you want your brand to be? This is like the perfect time for you to really be doing self-reflection because you have nothing but time, you know? There's no distraction. Yeah, and you have no deadlines to be like, oh shoot, I need to get this record done by X date because I'm going to go on tour October 1st. And once I'm on the road, it's going to be difficult for me to go, you know, and record and do this. So like, I'm encouraging everyone just to do a lot of, just like I'm doing a lot of self-reflection. I mean, it's, there's not going to be another time probably and hopefully in history that, you know, people have this much downtime and, and are like 
this confined to one area, you know, so kind of take advantage of it. A hundred percent. As much as it can, it, it can be, you know, anxiety filled or just like, or just a time where you're confused or, or lost or whatever, like really try to hone in on, okay, negatives aside, let me figure out what's positive here. The positive part being that this is the only time that I'm going to have this moment to myself and like be able to really figure out what I want and like map out that two-year plan that you've been wanting to do. Do it now, you know? Yeah, and processing the why behind what you're creating. Like, why am I doing this? Why does this matter to me? Why is this important to my fan base? Is it important to my fan base? You know, those are all such great questions that like, I mean, I'm not a, a musical artist, but I'm asking myself a lot of those questions, you know, so. And like, let's get content out. Let's get like this song that I've been waiting to release. Honestly, people can, are consuming more than ever. I mean, they've there's there's reports that say streaming is actually down compared to like YouTube streams. So mm-hmm. maybe it's like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to start to build up fans like that. Like Chaz Cardigan has this phenomenal YouTube channel where he does like short clips about the wonders of the world and like certain things that are like just unexplainable or maybe it's just like a fun fact of the day. And he's been doing that. He loves it. And like, why? Like get it out there. Let's get yes. like, like people are on their computers 24 seven looking for something to watch, to listen to. Just utilize it. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the development stage of, of a specific artist, I know that probably is different, obviously, from artist to artist, but what can you do based on their development? What can you do for them? I mean, my job exclusively is to book them shows, but we're also, we're also just matchmakers to a degree, too. Like, there's so much information that comes across our plates at CAA that maybe there's an idea that we can ingrain in their minds that they've never thought of. And like, huh, maybe I should do this virtual show. Maybe this will be interesting for me to like create a different format that I'm not used to that. It's me putting myself out there. Um, Cause there's so many virtual festivals right now. Almost like everyone is throwing one and everyone's doing Instagram lives and so much content again. Um, so it's really just, providing information to them um, and just getting their wheels spinning because right now no one can play a show person. So like how can we get creative and do things differently than we've ever done them? Um, But once shows come back, it's back to like normal business of us, you know, talking through the best routings, the best strategy to really build them on the road, whether that be an artist that, you know, is an indie alternative band that needs to go out and play 15 to 20 dates in major markets and build them in the club and build that hard ticket history before we try to put them on support for bigger tours. Or maybe it's an artist that needs to go and support, maybe be first and three or direct on a smaller club tour, just like get the nitty gritties of like, this is what touring feels like. Yeah. Because it's a long period of their times that they're away from their homes and families and you're find you know if you're not at the bus level yet and you're just rocking it in a van that's it's tough and so um just conditioning them to get ready for bigger and bigger tours because everyone wants to be an arena act and we want to build arena headliners and festival headliners so everyone starts somewhere and it's again just making sure that we have the right strategy in place and not putting someone out too soon and by too soon i mean Hey, you have one song. Let's not tour yet. You have one yeah. song. 
now. <laughs> like, let's make sure you're touring on top of music and that you have a real set. You're not going to go out there and play 15 minutes every night. No one's going to pay you for that. No. You know, you need to make sure that you have a real 45, 60 minute set, maybe a little less, but like you're, once you're out on the road, you're interacting, you're meeting people, you're putting yourself out there as an artist to make sure you're grabbing every single fan you can. And someone who's never seen you before and they catch your show, you need to make sure you know how to grab them and keep them to be the fans. The next time you're in the market, they'll bring 10 friends out or they'll bring 20 friends out to see you. Um, what's been your favorite partnership between a brand and an artist that you've worked with before? Um, and you know, maybe something that just like really engaged the fans on a whole unique level or just something that came together that was super fun for the artist and the brand, um, alike. We just did, here's a good example. We just did, um, a, I had a couple of my clients play Coachella, which is, which was on Triller. Um, oh, that's awesome. And that was really cool of Triller to like get together and, you know, um, basically get a ton of artists, like from Migos to Stoop Dog to everyone, um, just on this platform and people got to pre-record their sets and there was like this big sense of community and the streams were crazy. So something like that was really exciting because that's so relevant to like right now because we're going to start to see more and more of these bigger platforms like Twitch and like Bands in Town is going to do something with Twitch and there's a lot of these, a lot of these um, apps merging with other apps to create virtual festivals. So it's really, it's really cool. So as uh, a business professional in entertainment, how have you continued to stay positive um, and really thinking about what you want to be doing for your clients in the, in the, in the near future? So, yeah, I've just been staying positive. I think just by honestly leaning on my coworkers and hearing their stories because everyone's kind of going through the same thing right now. So it's really, you know, brought the sense of unity across the company. I mean, we're always super team oriented anyways, and we pride ourselves in being so connected to one another. But I feel like at this time we've been able to really, really connect, which has just been phenomenal. You know, Rob Light, the head of the music department, has weekly calls with the entire department to keep us updated on the bigger conversations that he's having from the top down. Um, so that's really been kind of keeping me sane as well, just to hear stories of my coworkers who are going through the same thing that I am. And and then outside of the company, I've just been staying positive by listening to a lot of music and like consuming and and catching up with my clients to hear what they're doing and how they're keeping sane during this time and just really like finding that human to human connection with people has been really, really uplifting and exciting um, and making new friends too. I mean, nobody can leave their house. So everyone wants to talk to people and for people that are home alone or just maybe it's them with one other person. Like I think everyone has been a little lonely and, and they want to find some sort of connection with people, you know? So yeah. that's been keeping me sane. It's definitely the people for sure. Yeah. And I mean, that, that goes to say just for entertainment as a whole, like it is about the creativity, but I really think the community really shows when, Especially like, I mean, for example, like the Nashville tornado, like seeing the whole music community come together to um, support musicians, support the venues that got destroyed and like Nashville as a whole. 
Um, yeah. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. The community is incredible. I think where you should be really, I, I do feel really lucky and privileged to live in Nashville. I think that what we have is just totally different than other areas. Um, LA and New York are just a different piece. And I mean, granted, it's so much bigger, but mm-hmm. um, even just like at CAA alone, we have just such a special bond across our office. Like we've had a, a big staff meeting this morning. Everyone was on Zoom. Um, it's just like great to see people's faces, you know, miss all my, all my coworkers are like family. Yeah. Well, hopefully in real life down the road, we'll be able to see each other around town. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. And go to restaurants and like, yes. Go, and- back, go back to bars and like one day see shows again. Yes. And appreciate it on a whole new, a whole new level, a whole other level. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great to get to know you. And, um, I'm so excited that you've been able to share your wisdom and advice and just your whole experience for the young entertainment professionals network. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. I really do. You guys do a great job. So thank you. Well, we're excited to see, I'm excited to see you at like a mixer or something down the road. Yes. Yes. course thank you and um stay safe and i'll see you around okay see you <laughs> thanks bye. bye thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the young entertainment professionals podcast to get connected visit yepnashville.com and follow yep nashville and yep los angeles on social media i'm your host libby olerich and until next time discover cultivate accelerate